0: 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 3 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1948. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Saturday. Another Saturday night and I ain't got nobody. I got some, can I sing that or will I get a copyright strike? I'll probably get a copyright, but no, we have to actually sing it well to get a copyright strike. And I don't sing well, so there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's Saturday. You got nothing better to do, so you decided to hang out with me and I truly appreciate that. Coming up, uh, old people on the road. Hey, get out of my way, a woman who you see, but you very rarely hear for people who can't hear. We'll talk about that. She's a cool lady. And uh, we got a few other things, including something you may or may not want to have for lunch tomorrow. It depends on your heart. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, uh, we are live across Facebook Live, YouTube, uh, twitch.tv, J. Sheldon No Pants, and rumble.com slash J. Sheldon. Please subscribe to our Rumble channel over there, and uh, hello to our Rumble viewers tonight, and you can also find a backlog catalog of all of our shows, 118 shows. It's number 118, and, um, and you find that on rumble.com slash Pants. They're all there, all the episodes. Also a podcast, of course, the audio part of our show. Welcome in to all of our podcast listeners. Uh, if you want to see the video version of the show, you can always watch it live Monday, Wednesday, Saturday nights at 10 Malaysian time, or you can go to rumble.com. J. Sheldon, no pants. And like I said, you see it there. If you would like to help support the show, of course, we always welcome that. And thank you so much for, for your support at patreon.com slash J. Sheldon. That's where you can go to uh, donate a, a small, tiny, itsy, teeny little bit of money to me to help support the show. Hey, you know, it's expensive to run this stuff between cameras and lights and licenses and software and all the other stuff okay enough begging i don't beg if you want to help help and thank you for that really truly truly appreciate all right um oh yeah it's time miko update ego update Oink. She's doing very well. Uh, As always, she's doing great. We found a tick today. She loves nothing better than hanging out in our yard. We have a big front yard and side yard at our place, so she loves the grass and hanging out and laying in the grass. She'll lay on her back with her feet in the air. Sadly, the yard comes with fleas and ticks. We do treatments for her. We use a tick shampoo and flea shampoo. And for the most part, we haven't had a problem. We did have a flea problem several many months ago, but uh, nothing. It's working really well. Just today, we found one little teeny tiny tick. It hadn't embedded itself yet in her neck, but uh, we, so we got rid of it. So, Anyway, um, but other than that, she's doing well. I actually had a meeting today, online meeting on Zoom, with a uh, cool couple who own another Shiba Inu. In fact, in our last stream, I showed you pictures of Niko, N-I-K-K-O, Nico, And of course, our dog is Miko. And um, they met a couple Saturdays ago and or sunday at, at the dog park and they got along really well and the discussion came up because they were looking for their dog nico to make a family with another female and miko is she's very beautiful as you know you've seen her on the show if you haven't there that's miko on our miko mug merchandise from uh from our show and um uh she's also very sociable normally shiba inos can be a little a little standoffish especially with kids people they don't know other dogs miko can't get enough she i mean i told you before she has a fan club at the park here in our our area where we go for a walk every night and uh, the, all the kids come over. She loves them. They love her. And they're all, every time they see her, Miko, Miko. So, um, yeah, she she couldn't be more social. So she's got all the right traits. And she's beautiful. And so, Nico and Miko, maybe. It depends on a couple of things. So it's still a pretty solid maybe that they might, uh, you know what I mean. And we might... We might have a family, so <laughs> hey, cigar, cigar, love, like the stream. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. All right, so Miko might be Mama Miko sometime next year, spring of next year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's our uh, that's our Miko update uh, for today. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you more about it. When, when the time gets closer. Hey, I got my Malaysia shirt on tonight. Did you see? Let me get out of the way of the microphone. There you go. I just picked this up. It is so cool. I've got two different. Uh, one says, uh, Saya Anak Malaysia, I think. I'm a child of Malaysia, uh, which I, I'm not really, but I kind of feel like I am. So what the hell? And this very bright yellow, if you know what yellow stands for. Well, actually, it's the royal color here in Malaysia. But uh, it's just, that's it. Big, fat, chunky Malaysia on the front of the shirt, and uh, saw it. I had to have it because it's there. You, go. you get a better shot there with my noisy, squeaky chair. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's some, some new merchandise here for, uh, for the show. So there you go. All right. I am 63 years old. Just putting it out there. I still drive, I'm a very careful driver. I not only have driven since I was 16 years old, which is the legal age to get a license in America, um, but I've also been through a police driving training uh, school session, sessions. Uh, so anyway, my ability to drive is, is really pretty good. I always signal, I always signal. I'm very aware, situational awareness, of what's happening around me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a cautious driver can be a crazy driver sometimes if I'm in a hurry, hey, just putting it out there, I'm always honest, but um, there are people, when they get older, who for various reasons, maybe should not be on the road. I'm reserving judgment about this. I don't know how I feel about it. I will tell you that a long time ago, I used to do a radio talk show back in the 80s, a very popular radio show, uh, open forum. People would call in, talk about whatever, uh, a lot of political stuff, a lot of social stuff. This was before the days of Facebook and things like that. Uh, But at that time, I was, and again, in the 80s, I was in my, what, 30s, probably, I think. Um, So, you know, I was a long way away from the age I am now, like half my life ago. And so I had a, I think I had a different perspective. Um, I was all four old people, above a certain age, being tested every couple of years, to make sure they still had the mental ability and the physical ability to drive because a lot of old people simply lose that ability as they get older for a variety of reasons, physical, mental, um, their reaction time is slower. Well, the PDRM here in Malaysia, which stands for the di Diraja Malaysia uh, has today come out in the news You'll see the headlines here. The uh, links to these articles will be in my show notes. By the way, we started doing that. Every show beginning today will have show notes attached to it, and you can find the links to the stuff we talk about because we wanted to make sure we give proper hat tips and uh, clicks to the folks who we get this information from, like World of Buzz. Um, So the, the headline from World of Buzz is PDRM, which is basically our police here in Malaysia, propose. Ability to drive assessment for senior citizens before they can renew their license. So currently, when you go to renew your license, you can choose how many years you renew it for. I always choose the longest because it's just a pain in the ass and I I just want to get it done once and then not be bothered for a long time. but uh, the article goes on to say they've suggested the government needs to set a new requirement for senior citizens before they can renew their license. Federal Traffic Police uh, Chief Datuk Azizman Alas or Alias, I think it's Alias, uh, said the step is needed to ensure the safety of senior citizens themselves as well as other road users. We see cases, this is a quote from him, we see cases of driving against traffic becoming a trend, where there are also cases involving elderly people aged 60 to 70 and above. Uh, some seniors have forgetfulness or senility. Many cases of driving against traffic was simply because they took a wrong turn. So uh, they are suggesting that uh, they perhaps uh, get a note from their doctor and... Um, License renewal time, they would be a a limited amount, also a shorter period, like maybe once a year, something like that. That would be kind of a pain in the butt. But um, it's been a problem. Uh, You can still renew your license for five years. Uh, So they say that uh, someone who's 70 could drive without any assessment until they wind up being 75. Um, They suggest that the elderly group should be able to renew their licenses annually similar to a firearm license, so that they can be assessed uh, every year. Um, so, yeah, that that discussion is underway. People are talking about the idea. Um, this related same story covered by the New Straits Times. Of course, the New Straits Times always tries to make, you know, more of a saga, so You see the headlines over there always more drama, drama. Cops call for driving license for senior citizens to be restricted. So, yeah, that's the new straight times for you. Um, (laughs) Let's see. um, uh, Basically the same story. uh, Reduced the number of accidents uh, on Malaysian roads. And uh, the health condition of motorists was a factor which contributed to accidents. Well, is it? Is it? I went out and put a few terms into a search and found this, which is from the Ministry of Transportation in Malaysia. They are the government transportation people and this, now this does not cover, this particular statistic does not cover all accidents. It's fatalities, road fatalities, but at the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than a fatality. Uh, Actually, this is a bit of good news I didn't realize. About 1.35 million people, this isn't the good news, by the way, uh, die in road crashes every year. 1.35 million on average. 3,700 people lose their lives every day. 3,700 people, if you average it out per day lose their lives on Malaysian roads, uh, traffic injuries cause considerable economic losses, well, duh, Uh, to individuals, families, the nation as a whole. However, uh, if you look at this graph, we've actually gone down. Now, these stats only go through 2019, so they don't include the last couple of years. But the uh, road fatalities index has gone from, what, what is that, 3.4 in 2010. And over the 10 years this covers, almost 10 years, it's down to 1.97. That's actually not bad. What's more interesting is this graphic. This is road fatalities, a same period of time, 2010 to 2019. Take a look at where the big problem is. Yeah, right there. Motorcycles, 59%. Way more than half the deaths on Malaysian roads, frankly, no surprise, are from people driving motorcycles. Pedestrians, nine. Well, what's the next one? Uh, What is this blue? I guess this is of vans, then pedestrians, uh, bicycles of 3%, 9% pedestrian, uh, four by fours, others 1%, goods, bus, buses quite low, very small. But you see these, yeah. So this, if you're looking to cut road fatalities, Maybe the motorcyclists need to be checked for their driving habits once a year instead of once every five years. I mean, good on new drivers for the numbers going substantially down in the last ten years, but this number here is what's scary. Uh, you know, you want to. I, I think I'm gonna have to say I'm in favor of this. Over 70 being tested, I think once a year might be a bit much, maybe once every couple of years is enough. Um, I'm not so sure a note from the doctor, because frankly, around here, you pay some money, you get a note from the doctor, big deal, whether it's true or not. Hey, look, just being honest. Sorry if I speak the truth. People don't like to hear that all the time. But um, I mean, there are financial ways around this. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm talking about the stuff I'm not supposed to say, and I don't care because it's the truth. So uh, just the idea, uh, again, not that this would totally solve the problem, but maybe some sort of quick, easy, non-graft-involved drive with a driving license inspector to make sure you still have what it takes to be able to drive on the road. That's not a bad idea. And maybe once a year seems a bit much. I think maybe every couple of years is probably plenty good enough. But anyway, that's that's what's been going on in the news lately as far as drivers are concerned. And uh, good to know the numbers are going down. Good to know the police are thinking about possibly doing something about it. I, I assume ultimately it would be up to either JPJ or the transport ministry to change the rules. Don't know. We'll see. See what happens. All right. Uh, Got a good news story for you. I love this lady. We see her all the time. Hardly anybody knows who she is. I don't think anybody's probably um, heard her voice. But uh, this is the woman. The headline here says, rarely heard, but gives voices to VIPs, and when you see her picture, if you're in Malaysia, you will know instantly who this is. And that's her. Check it out. Yeah, you recognize her. Her name is Tan Lee B. And uh, she is one of RTM, which is Radio Television Malaysia. It's our government watchdog garbage people that control all the media here. Um, Yeah, free speech. (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, Tom Lee B. Let's let's stick with the good news, okay? Um, she was a, a, has been an RTM, uh, one of their most trusted uh, interpreters. Has covered countless political figures. She's been thirty five years doing this interpretation, and you see her all the time. In fact, she'll show up right down here in the lower. Right-hand corner of your screen when the prime minister is giving a speech. Uh, I think maybe coverage of parliament. I'm not so sure about parliament. Probably, but um, and this woman is an amazing sign language interpreter. This article is from FreeMalaysiaToday.com. So a tip of the hat from Free Malaysia Today. You'll find the link in our show notes, and uh, check it out. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, you have to hand it to. Tan Lee B, the woman who's so often seen but never heard yet gives voices to the news and to the high and mighty. Uh, she is that expressively personality, expressive personality in the lower right hand corner of your tv screen with the flurry of movements interpreting some of the most important speeches for the benefit of the hearing impaired. Uh, 35 years with the national broadcaster, she has become synonymous with sign language. Um, Strangely enough, she is quoted here as saying she never took formal training before she began her career. I had a housemate once back in the Florida Keys, and uh, he was uh, a trained uh, sign language expert, and it was amazing. He tried to teach me... I learned a few dirty words in sign language. I learned, you know, basically, thank you, uh, or, or, or thank you, whatever it is. I forget, it's been too many years. But sign language is, is amazing. We have a very, uh, uh, quite large deaf population here in Malaysia. And good to know that this lady has been there. So if you have a chance, there she is. There's a little video here uh, of her. And uh, she's the woman who, who sits down there and interprets all the, uh, uh, oh, this is a cool thing they, they have in this article. She says, generally, I don't get the speeches beforehand. So when I'm on camera, it's always live. And some ministers are much harder to interpret than others. Those who switch between Malay and English can be very difficult because it gives me more to think about as she's interpreting. Uh, Bahasa Malaysia is her first language, so that's always easy. But when they switch to English, she has to make that switch in her brain also. So then the whole sign language thing has to to change. And uh, some also not speaking clearly, especially lately with all these people wearing these masks, and everybody sounds like this. So I can imagine her job has to, be, uh, has to be even more difficult. She does not have an easy job, but she does it brilliantly. And uh, hats off, tip of the hat, to um, Tan Lee B., our favorite Malaysian interpreter. Check that out. The article is at freemalaysiatoday.com, and you'll find a link in, uh, in our show notes today. Very cool. I saw that and I thought, yeah, I got to share that. I love that lady. She's so cool. Hey, do you ever say that's not my job? Uh, sorry, not my job. Don't care. It's not my job. Well, stop doing that. Okay. I saw this today. It's, um, it's shared, but the post is not a public post. So I'm, I'm going to cut that part of it out of uh, what's there. But uh, I did want to share this with you. It's very short. But it's nice. Never say, that's not my job. It oozes arrogance and laziness. Chip in to help with what needs to be done. Even if it's not your responsibility, even if it's not your job, chip in and help. Do what needs to be done or find someone to help find the solution period. Even, and this is important, I say it all the time, even when nobody's watching. It's not my job. Take that out of your vocabulary, would you? Seriously. Well put. Well said. Glad somebody shared that. Uh, What else have we got going on here? Oh, (laughs) Uh, I'm sure Damien would not mind, but because his post is a friends-only post, I'm going to clip that part of it out once again, and I'll show you the picture. Um, <laughs> oh, man. If you're listening to the podcast, sorry, go to Rumble.com at about the 20-minute 20 mark, 23 minutes. You can check out the picture. Uh, Rumble.com slash Um I've seen this before but this one looks really yummy. I've said I would try this. I would absolutely try this. It is a burger with what looks like three burgers, each slice covered in cheese, topped with bacon, and then the bun is a glazed donut. Yeah. This is a heart attack waiting to happen, folks. (laughs) Oh, my God. So anyway, my friend Damien says, yeah, but it's beef and wheat, a little sugar, dairy products. That made me think of something. We always talk about eating healthy, eating better, eating well, maybe not eating something like this. Can you imagine the cholesterol in this thing? Anyway, anyway, here's my thought. Pizza is almost the perfect food. You know the food groups or the food pyramid where you have to have so much of this, so much of that, so much of this? You think about it. Pizza has bread, wheat, Dairy products, cheese, if you decide to, whatever toppings you put on, it's got vegetables, it's got meat, it's got tomatoes, that's a vegetable, or a fruit, technically. So when you think about pizza, the first thing you say is, ah, junk food, junk food, but honestly, oh, and, and it's baked, it's not fried, Another healthier way of cooking something. So at the end of the day, okay, a little greasy maybe, depends on what pizza place you go to. But at the end of the day, I've always had this thought. Pizza really is kind of a all-around balanced diet. (laughs) No, 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 I'm serious. Think about it. Think about what's in a pizza. Now, if you use crap ingredients and you buy from one of the franchise junk pizza places, you're getting crap. Likely the meat and the cheese aren't even real meat and cheese. Who knows? But if you buy from your local pizzeria, most of the time they've cut up those vegetables by hand from the farmer's market. The cheese is actually cheese. The meat is really meat. And the dough is made from, you know, fresh made dough. So if you really think hard about it, Pizza ain't all that bad for you. I'm not being paid to promote pizza. I'm just saying, this photograph of the glazed donut bun burgers with cheese made me think about my pizza theory. Think about it, huh? I'm, I, I'm probably not wrong. I'm, I'm often wrong, but I don't think I'm, I'm wrong on this. Think I'll have pizza tomorrow night. Good idea. <laughs> <coughs> okay, excuse me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, uh, we're st- hey we're still going strong over on Rumble. That's good. I know the backup on the uh, delay, the lag, for Rumble is um. Is is a little wonky, but um, so far we're doing okay. So cool. All right, what else have we got going on? Oh. We have our book, yes. Um, We need to... Where do we go? Here we go. There. All right. Um, If you don't know already, we've done 118 shows for I'm Not Wearing Pants. And um, at the end of every stream, almost every single one, with one or two exceptions, I know our 50th uh, show, we had my brother Michael on live from New Jersey, and we did not do a a book chapter then. But um, (laughs) for every show we have, uh, from the beginning, we've done uh, a classic book. They come to us from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. They're all free. They're in the public domain, which allows me to do a public performance of them by reading them here. And we've done The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the Little Prince, Peter Pan, uh, Velveteen Rabbit, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Currently, we are doing Orson Welles' The War of the World. This is the original book. Often, the movies and other editions are not as not the same. Uh, this that we the ones that we read are the original publications. This one from 1897, The War of the Worlds. Um, so we've been making our way through, we're up to chapter 13 tonight, and uh, just before we get into that, I'll do one last plug to remind you to help support the show at patreon.com slash jsheldon, and uh, thank you for those of you who will check us out and, uh, and do that. I really appreciate your help. Um, okay, let's uh, move on and up and go to chapter 13. This is a long chapter. We might break it into two segments. Let's see how it goes. So, chapter 13 of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, it's called How I Fell In with the Curate. After getting this sudden lesson in the power of the terrestrial weapons, the Martians retreated to their original position on Horskull Common. And in their haste and the encumbered with the debris of their smashed companions, they no doubt overlooked many such a stray and negligible victim as myself. Had they left their comrade and pushed on forthwith, there was nothing at all that time between them and London but batteries of twelve-pounder guns, and they would have certainly have reached the capital in advance of the tidings of their approach, as sudden, dreadful, and destructive their advent would have been as the earthquake that destroyed Lisbon a century ago. But they were in no hurry. Cylinder followed Cylinder on its interplanetary flight. Every 24 hours brought them reinforcements. And meanwhile, the military and naval authorities, now fully alive to the tremendous power of their antagonists, worked with furious energy. Every minute, a fresh gun came into position until... Before twilight, every corpse, every row of suburban villa on the slopy, hilly slopes about Kingston and Richmond, massed an expectant black muzzle. And through the charred and desolate area, perhaps 25 miles square altogether, that encircled the Martian encampment on Horsel Common, through charred and ruined villages among the green trees through the blackened and smoking arcades that led, that had been but a day ago pine spinies, crawled the devoted scouts with the helographs, that were presently to warn the gunners of the Martians' approach. But the Martians now understood our command of artillery and the danger of human proximity, and not a man ventured within a mile of either cylinder, save at the price of his life. It would seem that these giants spent the earlier part of the afternoon in going to and fro, transferring everything from the second and third cylinders, the second in Addleston Golf Links, and the third at Pyrford, to their original pit on the Horsel Common. Over that, above the blackened heather and ruined buildings that stretched far and wide, stood one as sentinel, while the rest abandoned their vast fighting machines and descended into the pit. They were hard at work there far into the night, and the towering pillar of dense green smoke that rose therefrom could be seen from the hills about Merrow, and even, it is said, from Banstead, and epsom downs. And while the Martians behind me were thus prepared for their next sally, and in front of me humanity gathered for the battle, I made my way with infinite planes and labor from the fire and smoke of burning Weybridge towards London. I saw an abandoned boat, very small and remote, drifting downstream and Throwing off the most of my sodden clothes, I went after it, gained it, and so escaped out of the destruction. There were no oars in the boat, but I contrived to paddle as well as my parboiled hands would allow, down the river towards Haliford and Walton, going very tediously and continually looking behind me. As you may well understand, I I followed the river because I considered that water gave me my best chance of escape, should the giants return. The hot water from the Martian's overthrow drifted downstream with me, so that for the best part of a mile I could see little of either bank. Once, however, I made out a string of black figures hurrying across the meadows from the direction of Weybridge. Halliford, it seemed, was deserted, and several of the houses facing the river were on fire. It was strange to see the place quite tranquil, quite desolate, under the hot blue sky, with the smoke and little threads of flames going straight up into the heat of the afternoon. Never before had I seen houses burn without the accompaniment of an obstructive crowd. A little further up the dry reeds of the bank were smoking and glowing, and a line of fire inland was marching steadily across the late field of hay. For a long time I drifted, so painful and weary was I after the violence I I had been through, and so intense, the heat upon the water. Then my fears got the better of me again, and I resumed my paddling. The sun scorched my bare back. At last, as the bridge at Walton was coming into sight round the bend, my fever and faintness overcame my fears, and I landed on the Middlesex bank and lay down, deadly sick, amid the long grass. I suppose the time was then about four or five o'clock. I got up presently, walked perhaps half a mile without meeting a soul, and then lay down again in the shadow of a hedge. I seem to remember talking wanderingly to myself during that last spurt. I was also very thirsty and bitterly regretful that I had drunk no more water. It was a curious thing that I felt angry with my wife. I cannot account for it, but my impotent desire to reach Leatherhead worried me excessively. I do not clearly remember the arrival of the curate, so that probably I dozed. I became aware of him as a seated figure in soot-smudged shirt sleeves and with his upturned, clean-shaven face, staring at a faint flickering that danced over the sky. The sky was what is called a mackerel sky, rows and rows of faint down plumes of clouds, just "'tinted with the midsummer sunset. "'I sat up, and at the rustle of my motion, "'he looked at me quickly. "'Have you any water?' I asked abruptly. "'He shook his head. "'You've been asking for water for the last hour,' he said. "'For a moment we were silent, "'taking stock of each other. "'I I dare say he found me a strange enough figure.' Naked, save for my water-soaked trousers and socks, scalded and my face and shoulders blackened by the smoke. His face was a fair weakness, his chin retreated and his hair lay in crisp, almost flaxen curls with his low forehead. His eyes were rather large, pale blue and blankly staring. He spoke abruptly, looking vacantly away from me. "'What does it mean?' he said. "'What do these things mean?' "'I stared at him and made no answer. "'He extended a thin white hand "'and spoke in almost a complaining tone. "'Why are these things permitted? "'What what sins have we done? "'The morning service was over. "'I was walking through the roads "'to clear my brain for the afternoon "'and then fire Earthquake, death, as if it were Sodom and Gomorrah, all our work undone, all the work. What are these Martians? What are we, I answered, clearing my throat. He gripped his knees and turned to look at me again. For half a minute, perhaps, he stared silently. I was walking through the roads to clear my brain, he said, and suddenly fire, earthquake, death. He relapsed into silence, and his chin now sunken, almost to his knees. Presently, he began waving his hand. All the work, all the Sunday schools, what, what have we done? What has Weybridge done? Everything's gone. Everything is destroyed. The church. We rebuilt it only three years ago. Gone. Wiped out of existence. Why? Another pause. He broke out again like one demented. Smoke of her burning goat up forever and ever, he shouted. His eyes flamed, and he pointed a lean finger in the direction of Weybridge. By this time, I was beginning to take his measure, the tremendously tragedy in which he had been involved, the evidence he was a fugitive from Weybridge, and had driven him to the very verge of his reason. "'Are we far from Sunbury?' I said in a matter-of-fact tone. "'What are we to do?' he asked. "'Are these creatures everywhere?' Has the earth been been given over to them? Are we far from Sunbury? Only this morning I, I officiated at early celebration. Things have changed, I said quietly. You must keep your head. There is still hope. Hope, yes, plentiful hope for all this destruction. I began to explain my view of our position. He listened at first, but as I went on, the interest dawning in his eyes gave place to their former stare, and his regard wandered from me. This must be the beginning of the end, he said, interrupting me. The end, the great, terrible day of the Lord, when men shall call upon mountains and the rocks to fall upon them and hide them, hide them from the face of him, THAT SITTETH UPON THE THRONE I BEGAN TO UNDERSTAND THE POSITION I CEASED MY LABORED REASONING STRUGGLED TO MY FEET AND STANDING OVER HIM LAID MY HAND ON HIS SHOULDER BE A MAN SAID I YOU ARE SCARED OUT OF YOUR WITS WHAT GOOD IS RELIGION IF IT COLLAPSES UNDER CALAMITY Think of what earthquakes and floods, wars, and volcanoes have done before to men. Do you think God has exempted Weybridge? He is not an insurance agent. For a time he sat in blank silence. But how can we escape? He asked suddenly. They are invulnerable. They are, they're, they're pitiless. Neither the one nor perhaps the other," I answered. "And the mightier they are, the more sane and wary should we be. One of them was killed yonder not three hours ago. Killed," he said, staring about him. "How can God's ministers be killed?" I saw it happen. I proceeded to tell him, "We have chanced to come into the thick of it," and said I, "and that is all." "'What is that flicker in the sky?' he asked abruptly. "'I told him it was the heliograph signaling, "'that it was the sign of human help, an effort in the sky. "'We are in the midst of it,' I said, quiet as it is. "'That flicker in the sky tells of the gathering storm. "'Yonder, I take it, are the Martians, "'and london where those hills rise "'about Richmond and Kingston,' and the trees give cover. Earthworks are being thrown up. Guns are being placed. Presently, the Martians will be coming this way again. And even as I spoke, he sprang to his feet and stopped me by a gesture. Listen, he said. From beyond the low hills, across the water, came the dull resonance of distant guns and a remote Weird crying. Then, everything was still. A cockchafer came droning over the hedge and past us. High in the west, the crescent moon hung faint and pale above the smoke of Weybridge and Shepperton and the hot, still splendor of the sunset. We'd better follow this path, I said. Northward. And that's chapter 13. On our next stream Monday night, we'll move on to chapter 14, which is called simply In London. Wow. <laughs> now that's an interesting chapter with the vicar. <laughs> My goodness. All right, friends. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight, another Saturday night, and I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, all of our little mishmash of news and funniness and weirdos and the good people and, of course, our art book. I will see you on uh, on Monday at 10, Malaysian time. Don't forget patreon.com slash Sheldon if you'd like to help support the show. We appreciate that. And uh, I'll see you again, uh, see you again Monday. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. And thanks for listening. Good night, everybody.